Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. Julie, you should be live. Make sure the mic is up close to your yap. Is it indeed? Nope, it is not. So, Julie, can you call back in? All right, so listen, guys, I'm actually uh, formulating a show for next week, but I can't come up with a title for the show. And the only titles I come up with are really obnoxious. And I don't want to do an obnoxious titled show. Well, I do because it's more fun for us, but it's not fun necessarily for you guys. But here's what the show would hypothetically be called. Ready? The show would be called I Told You So. See, I told you it was an obnoxious title, and I don't want to do it. But the show title should be called (laughs) – how about that? I Told You So. So, um, by the way, we're going to finish the last part (laughs) of the series that we started two podcasts uh, ago. And the title of today's podcast is Do You Really Think You Have What It Takes to Be Rich? And today is part three. But, Julie, I was just telling them all that I'm working on the notes for a podcast, and the working title is I Told You So. And so over the last – That's delicious at all. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's it's even too jerky of a title for me. So now I can use it without actually officially using it by telling them it's my working title for a podcast for next week. See what I'm doing here? So mm-hmm. in any event, um, we have been warning, and there it is, another strong word, but it is true. All of you for the last forever years of certain things that were going to be happening in the real estate industry. These were not Julie and I guessing. These were Julie and I sharing with you little bits and pieces from conversations we have with a lot of the people that basically are at the upper echelons of the real estate industry. Our obvious focus is on real estate agents, and so when we have conversations with some of these people, our focus is on what's going to be coming uh, down the pipe for agents in particular, what's going to positively or adversely affect agents' lives. That's really, frankly, all we really give much of a rat's ass about. One of the things we warned all of you guys about is that there was going to be an absolute threat to buyer's agency. We warned you two years ago, I believe, that we thought there was every reason to believe that buyer's agent commissions were going to go away. Now, we got a lot of flack for that, as we often do when we make statements like that, mostly from guess who, buyer's agents. How could it ever go away? People, you know, my ABR designation and people trust me and they need me and how are they buyers? Okay, well, here's a simple answer. Because if you look at the real estate, and this is the, this is the reason I think we had this, con- uh, this conclusion this was going to happen. If you look at the different ways you can pinch a real estate uh, transaction um, in terms of commission, it's obvious that it's going to have to come from the buyer's agent side. And buyer's agents are the most vulnerable to having their commission cut, not listing agents, because buyer's agents, generally speaking, this is slightly offensive, but it's also mostly true, buyer's agents are going to have the lowest skill set 
when it comes to actually having sales skills defending their commissions. Most buyer's agents choose to be buyer's agents because they never have to have conversations with sellers or buyers, for that matter, about things like defending their commission. Just very rarely comes up, maybe in a home inspection. That's just about it, where someone's trying to get the you know, agents to share a little bit in whatever the problem was or you know, negotiating stuff. I'm not talking about that. So the commissions are going to be uh, and I suspect we're going to start seeing this mostly from the technologist side, but the commissions for the buyer's agent's commissions, you know, that side of the deal, when you're writing an offer on behalf of a buyer, you're going to have to start writing in the contract or negotiating with the buyer to pay your commission. It's not just going to be an entitlement. What do I mean by an entitlement? I'm going to give you guys a little interesting history on this. Interesting to Julie and I, anyway. So first of all, did you know that nowhere else in the world are there is there a buyer's agent's commission? Did you guys know that? That in most of the world, there's only listing agents. And if there's a buyer that wants to be represented by an agent, they go directly to the seller's agent or the listing agent. So this whole dual agency thing and all the you know the idea that there's going to be a buyer that's representing uh, I'm a, sorry a buyer's agent that's going to be representing buyers and that's just how the deals work. There's where well, there's two sides to the commission. The seller pays six percent. Three goes to the seller. Three goes to the buyer. The traditional model. Well, guess what? Does not exist in the rest of the world. Some parts of the world, like our friends and coaching clients down in Australia, they dominate the. They basically will. You're hiring in essence a, a real estate broker who is going to usually have as their plan to sell the house an auction. So the rest of the world works completely different. If you're over in England, you would, in essence, there's no MLS. Now, some brokers share listings and listing information, but it's not formalized like it is in the United States. Canada is the only uh, country that I know of that has a similar system to ours, where there's two sides of, the, of a commission. But the rest of the world doesn't work that way. So what's going to happen, what is happening, are, is uh, what would happen yesterday, day before, Redfin came out and said, guess what? We're not going to be paying buyer's agents commissions anymore as an entitlement to the transaction. So if you, Mr. Buyer's Agent, introduce one of your buyers to one of our listings and you want paid, that is between you and the buyer. That is not just – you cannot just assume the seller is going to pay your commission. So you're going to have to basically negotiate directly with your buyer, get the buyer's agent to sign or buyer to sign a buyer's agency agreement where it basically states that the commissions are going to be. By the way, this is what we always have been teaching agents to do anyway, going all the way back when we took on our first client in the late 90s. We always have suggested you guys use buyer's agents commit uh, contracts, and I know the weaker agents listening are saying we don't do that in my market. Well, guess what? You don't do that in your market, which means you're not going to get paid. And this is what's going to happen in the future. I know this is a harsh, cold you know, bucket of water on your heads, and some of you are going to be mad that I'm saying this. And somehow, because we're saying it, because you know we have such a huge audience, you're going to think that somehow we're the ones that are going to influence this. No, guys, this is just the way it goes. Now, is this going to be something that will just be universally true? No. But just waltzing into a listing with your buyer thinking that you're going to get paid by that seller is going to soon be a thing of the past. So you need to adjust your approach. And I, I also think that you're going to see a further degradation of the viability of an agent being um, essentially a buyer's agent. And I'll give you another example. Those of you who have been buying leads – 
And again, if you're only in the industry for the last 10 years or fewer, you think it's normal to buy leads. Well, you're wrong. It's not normal to buy leads. That's just some you know, anomaly that came up after Zillow started, in essence, selling buyer leads to agents, and then there's about a billion other companies that started to do the same thing. So why am I telling you all this? Because what you're going to see happen is you're going to see that not only are buyer agents' commissions going to go away, but those of you who are uh, – your, your livelihood is predicated on buying buyer leads – you are going to make yourself, essentially your business and what you're doing, into something so incredibly unprofitable, it's not even going to make sense. And here's what's happening. Zillow and all the others are going to start charging referral fees. They might start out at, at 30%, but there's every reason to believe that they will increase the referral fee based on agents' absolute you, – you think agents are going to push back even if Zillow goes up to a 50% referral fee? Do you really think they will? I know for a fact that they'll pay 50%. I've seen agents that have had coaching calls and emails from all of you guys, and you don't do your own math, so you don't know what you're actually paying in some of these referral fees, but I do the math for you. I see all the time you paying a referral fee of 50%. It's become normal. But what you have not done as a real estate practitioner is do the math. How much are you paying your broker? Well, I'm on a this and a this split. You know, I'm on a 90-10 you know, or 80-20 or whatever, whatever. Okay, well, did you calculate your royalty fee on top of that at 6%? No. Did you copy or, you know, your apps, the broker's uh, per transaction? No. Then you add in the referral fee you're thinking about paying to, refer, uh, to Zillow for that buyer lead. You do all the math on this, guys. And I'm not making this up. You need to do your own math. Most of you who are on the buyer side of the trans, uh, transactions are right now working for maybe a third. You're working for maybe maybe 25 or 30 percent before your own personal expenses and taxes. And in many markets, you would literally be better off if you worked at Home Depot in terms of what you could get per hour. I'm not kidding, guys. You need to wake up and see what you're doing. These are just dumb business mistakes that you're making. And ultimately what you're doing is you're leaving yourself dependent on these big entities not to screw you. Good luck with that. Because, you know, Zillow and all these others. Now, so put all these pieces together. You are working with a buyer. You have agreed to pay 50% of your commission to, you know, XYZ referral company. You go and show a Redfin listing. Redfin says we're not paying a buyer's agent commission. If you want a buyer's agent commission, you're going to have to negotiate directly right into the contract. The buyer's going to have to pay it on top. The buyer's not going to be that interested in paying you 3% for opening the door in a Redfin house because Redfin has made it so damn easy and seductive for that buyer just to go direct. So now you're, you guys see what I'm, see where, where this is going on the buyer agent side of the, the industry? Do you see what I'm talking about? Now, do you think that the open doors and the, all the iBuyer companies that are not associated with real estate companies, real estate brands, do you think they're going to do the same thing? Of course. That's what they're going to do. So those of you who have only been in the business for 10 years or less, and you're thinking that you, have, you can work buyers, and you think that you know, that's your way forward, you are going to be faced in differing levels depending on where you are in the country and your price point and all the rest of it, you're going to be experiencing so much squeezing that it does not make you being in real estate viable unless you learn how to be a listing agent. The listing agent side of the business will always be the sacred ground of the real estate professional. If you have listings, you can get as many buyer leads as you want. Or you can refer the buyer leads out to other agents in your marketplace, which I have a lot of my top listing agents doing. You can then have control of your time. 
the the listing side of the business will never be easy. It, it, that's not something that technologists are going to be able to easily go after, because if you have like for example, Rem, or not Remax, but uh, I have it on good authority that EXP and you guys already know about Keller Williams. Let's just use those two companies as examples. I'm sure others will do the same thing. They are going to come out with iBuyer programs. Keller Williams already has that allows agents to walk into a listing appointment and show the seller essentially that they can offer whatever Open Door offers. There is not a seller on the face of the earth. Uh, unless that agent's terrible, who will choose to sell the house to Open Door if they can choose to sell it to the agent who they already know associated with the real estate brand that they feel more comfortable with. Obviously, they're doing business with the agent, not necessarily the brand. Most sellers don't even know what brand you're with. But the reality of it is, is that they're going as long as see, our industry is going to evolve to protect the listing side of the business. That's the reason these big brokerages are going to get into the iBuyer space. That's what's going to happen, and you will be able to defend your commission on the listing side. The control of the industry is on the listing side. It always has been and always will be. So those of you, <clears throat> those of you who are hearing me, those of you who are getting into the industry, spend all your best energies learning how to be a powerful listing agent. That is defensible ground. If you think you're going to be able to coast through your real estate career, even if you're doing it part-time and work on buyers, you're going to find it in, largely an exercise in futility. And I strongly suggest to you that you take a, take a step back and say, why am I getting into real estate in the first place? Is it just basically so I can work for a minimum wage, showing houses on all the nights and weekends and lose all the time with my family? Or is it because I actually wanted to make a profit? So if I want to make a profit, I'm going to have to learn how to do what I don't want to do and I don't want to do at the highest level. I'm going to have to learn how to do the real work of the real estate industry. And you guys are going to face tons of psychological headwinds, and that's what the coaching program is all about. You're not going to have the skills. You're going to have issues with being believing that you somehow, you know, oh, I don't want to be seen as a salesman. All this crap, all this head junk. You're going to have to work through all that incredibly fast because this industry has changed more in the past 24 months than I've seen in the past 20 years. It really has. And I want you guys to be part of this industry for the rest, for as long as you choose to be. And for you to do that, you better be watching for these changes that are happening because they're real and they are going to affect you. And they are going to affect you quicker than you think. Do not be complacent. So please hear my voice, understand what we're saying. So we made it easy for you guys to have a plan forward. All you've got to do is text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. And when you do that, we're going to give you six free books, including the Real Estate Treasure Map, and that is your fill-in-the-blank business plan. So text the word Harris to 31996. Julie, let's finish out these points, okay? Yes, you got it. So these, <clears throat> excuse me, we've been talking about uh, what keeps you from wealth. And do you have what it takes to get past these things and do something about it? So point number nine, if you missed previous points, go to realestatecoachingradio.com and listen to parts one and two. So this is part three. Point number nine, and you just touched on it, not being a listing agent. It's just a fact that you will never have enough time as a buyer's agent to work with enough buyers to create the income necessary to invest and make your money work for you. It is statistically impossible. Consider the fact that asking yourself this question, give yourself your own answer here. Would you rather have 10 buyers? And I'm talking about good buyers. They're motivated, qualified, got their loan or cash together or 10 listings at any given time. What's going to be better for you time wise, lifestyle wise. Uh, we can talk about the fact that most of you don't use buyer agency contracts. So how solid are those relationships anyway? 
okay? Keep in, fa keep in mind the fact that working with buyers is literally physical labor. You're driving around, opening lockboxes, slogging through sleet and, you know, rain and all kinds of stuff, okay? Being a listing agent is absolutely mental labor, but you can conquer that with getting your skills together. So one of the major things that keeps you from being more wealthy and meeting or exceeding your goals is simply not being a listing agent primarily. You can do something about that. We'll help you. Point number 10, thinking rich people are evil, that they only have what, the, I'm sorry, that they only have what others don't because they took it away from someone else. Now we have an entire podcast dedicated to this concept of scarcity versus abundance. Which mindset do you have? So I won't go into it here. Find that podcast. And it's also on Premier Coaching. We have a lot of uh, good stuff there as well if you're a Premier Coaching client already. So thinking that rich people are evil and, you know, they got there because they took it some, somehow from someone else. That's a fallacy of your mindset. I'm going kind of fast so I can finish this. Uh, number 11, not having a real investment strategy, which involves rental property, investment funds, flips, etc. Again, this goes back to a previous point, thinking that your wealth is going to come from individual commissions versus having an investment strategy, what you're going to do with those commissions. And number 12, this is something that, again, I think this should be part of your licensing or CE credit or, you know, this needs to be taught to you guys earlier. Not studying wealth creation and taking action, thinking you'll only get rich when you have a big closing, when a relative, <coughs> excuse me, when a relative dies, or if you win the lottery. That's not a plan, that's happenstance. And if we're being real, probably not going to happen. So you've got to study wealth creation. You've got to know how to invest once you have figured out all these other points and you've come to terms with the fact that you've not got to just become a listing agent but know what your magic number is. Maintain listing inventory at all times. And then you can see the benefits to having that consistent income. So over the past three podcasts, we've gone over some of these pitfalls that get in your way. We talked about things like, you know, we talked the listing agent thing. We talked about getting behind in taxes or not having health insurance, blowing so much on buyer leads. And I think one of the most important points we covered was not paying yourself first. This came out in uh, Premier Coaching yesterday, Tim, because those guys listen to this podcast and then they go to our coaching call. And, you know, they were talking about what happens if after you pay yourself first and then you put your 20% away for taxes that you look at what you're spending on your business and there's not enough to fund it. In other words, making the operations account number three instead of making it number one, which is what most agents do. They only save if there's something left. So which is the more healthy way to go about it? Of course, you want to pay yourself first, but what if there's not enough left? Well, that means you're spending too much and or you need to be producing at a higher level which always comes back to maintaining your listing inventory because that will self-produce for you, then preventing you from doing crazy things like buying buyer leads. You see how it's all connected. I'm trying to put all of these pieces and parts together for them. What are your thoughts on this? No, I mean, really, I, I, every time we talk about this, and you and I have been saying the same thing just forever, right? Our, mm -hmm. If you really drill down on what our core message is, it really does come down to, doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. And the highest level part is the part that ultimately, well, really all three of those elements are what people struggle with because there's something in our society nowadays that tells you, that, that makes you think that you don't have to actually make yourself uncomfortable. There almost is a disdain 
there's, I guess the word, maybe not even, there should be a stronger word than disdain. There's almost a hatred or a distrust. How about that? For hard work and for success and for wealth. And if you and, and people want to hear the get rich quick stories, that they've always wanted to hear that. I realize that, but now more than ever, because of this, uh, you know, just this belief that um, I think social networking and who knows what societal changes have happened that's caused people's brains to go soft. But the reality of it is, is most people understand intellectually what hard work means. But they've not ever done it, or they've not done it for so long that they don't think they have to do it anymore. I guess that's the only way of really expressing it. And when I had these coaching calls with folks, and they seemed to resist the concept of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, it's just because they have had – some of these folks have had decades, their, their entire adult lives – where they've really never had to do any of that, and they've had really nice lives. I mean, they've had nice middle class or, you know, whatever. They've never been hungry, for example. You know, they've never – maybe they've had – they've never had any money. They've never had any savings. They've never really done anything with their lives. But, look, their basic core needs have always been squared away. And for most humans, that's damn good. I mean, they're happy with that. And and we're spoiled. You guys have heard this before that in our country, like a poor person, you know, somebody living in poverty has a better quality of life than a king did 100 years ago or something. I mean, these different things, if you think about it, we do have brilliant lives in our country, really most of the world. You know, you have running water, you have working sewer, just those two things alone. If you've ever been to a third world country before where those two things didn't exist, well, let me tell you, it, you quickly realize what's important when you don't have water or when people are defecating in the streets. Julian, I've been to places like that where you're walking along and it's normal for people just to be – I don't even want to – it's disgusting. Okay, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> no, not real at that. I mean – yeah, let's not live that. Relive that. And it, it wasn't just like some drunk person. It was like normal health. I mean, we went to the Dominican Republic, and this was years ago, and we went outside of the resort because we wanted to just, you know, get the hell outside of the resort. And we went on a tour with some local, and on the way to taking us to these caves, we walked past village after village, and I, that's the only way to describe it, where these people, these weren't like National Geographic looking situations. These were people that looked like you and looked like me, you know, that were living in such abject poverty that forever our lives were changed. Honestly, after walking through those people's neighborhoods, if you will, and these were not barrios. I'm telling you guys, this was like in what could only be described as like jungles, okay? And you'd be walking on these dirt roads, and then you'd walk past just the worst stuff you can possibly imagine, and we won't get into the script. Okay, as soon as you have experience like that and other experiences, and when you hear somebody being fearful of picking up the phone, or like I was making fun of uh, Monica the other day, who had been a two-tour Marine, who had been forced to play in Iraq and Afghanistan, and she, and she had, it, you know, she laughed at herself at the end of our call, which was great. But you know, she realized the insanity of being afraid to do, uh, of, you know, not doing what she didn't want to do, and she didn't want to do it at the highest level. And really, the punchline is, is that came from the real estate industry. She didn't get into the real estate industry with this bias against hard work. The real estate industry basically told her that there's no honor in or dignity or I don't even know what in actually doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. People in the industry actually – and we've seen this when we go to live events where Julie and I will tell them exactly what to do to go take a listing today. Right? You could take a listing today if you really wanted to. Not that difficult. And then it will involve things that they don't want to do. And then it is almost 
uh, it's like a, a not, they don't think about what their response is. They just react in a certain way. It's kind of like the old Maslow thing where he would ring the bell and the dog would salivate. Those of you guys took psychology 101, you know what I'm talking about. And so when we ring the bell of, okay, this is the hard work part. This is what you have to learn how to say. This is what you have to learn how to do. Their salvation in most cases, our industry salvation is absolutely repelling the idea. No way am I going to knock on that door. No way am I going to ask a question that's going to cause someone to say no to me. Oh, no, from a stranger is like a dagger through the heart. These are the types of thoughts or subconscious reactions that most of our industry is having. Why? Because you guys think it's normal to buy leads. You think it's normal not to actually have to, do, to make yourself uncomfortable. That's the, this is what's happened in our industry, but also I think it's what's happened in our society. We've gotten too soft. We, we, and here's a real way of uh, testing whether or not what side of the fence you're on. Ask yourself this question. Do your feelings matter? Okay? I mean, I'm trying to cut to it to be as direct as I can. Do your feelings – is how you feel – let me reframe that. Is how you feel or is your success dependent on how you feel? There you go. I got it eventually. Is your success today dependent on how you feel, your emotional state? It is, isn't it? And it shouldn't be because here's the problem with feelings – Feelings are temporary. Feeling like I was making coffee for myself, and Julie's a little French bulldog. You know, he's an old guy, and uh, he farts a lot. But you know what? <laughs> he sounds like you a little diesel locomotive. He sounds like a popcorn machine sometimes. Bup, 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 bup. But you know what? <laughs> the, the, the reason I'm telling you that is, A, to make you laugh, to break a little bit of the tension, but also to point out the fact that feelings are like farts in the wind. And feelings change constantly. Feelings go from, oh, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm excited, I'm mad. Feelings change constantly. And if you are only trying, if you're only getting the most out of your life or your moment when you feel a certain way, you will never get anything. Because your feelings change constantly. You're, and, I, and this is something I tell my private clients, so I'll tell all of you. Your feelings will betray you. And I mean that. They'll betray you. Because you're never going to feel like doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. You'll never feel like it, ever, especially in today's society. That's the reason you just got to suck it up buttercup and do it anyway. That's, you know, we use the analogy of you know, going to Orange Theory. I hate it. I do. I don't like it. I like the results. Joy seems to like the results. So it takes going to Orange Theory, you know, it's an hour-long torture session, for us to be there, for me, about 15 or 20 minutes, and I feel like being there. That is the exact same way I used to feel when I'd prospect. Now, did I ever feel like prospecting? No. Never once. Did I do it? Yes, every day. Did it work? Yeah. Same for you guys. This podcast the same way. Julie and I don't always feel like doing it. Coaching calls, same way. Does not matter. It's not our – what we bring to all of you is not predicated on our – temporary emotional state we've trained ourselves to think like that many of you find that concept completely foreign to you because you believe the lies that you have to feel a certain way before you can be successful for example do you have to feel passionate about what you do to be successful you know people give us compliments julie it's tim it's a very obvious that you guys are passionate about what you do but no, we're not. We're not. Pat no, there's aspects of it which we enjoy more than others. That's true. 
but passionate about coaching agents? No. Passionate about selling real estate? No. Never. We were never passionate about any of those things. Passion is something's reserved for uh, the people you love, right? Passion is reserved for the hobbies and the things that are come as a result of your having done what you didn't want to do when you didn't want to do it at the highest level. You should not ever think that you need to feel passionate for real estate to be successful because here's what happens if you do. You're going to have this little internal barometer in your head that's constantly going to be asking yourself, do you feel passionate about picking up the phone? Hell no. <laughs> right? Do you feel passionate about putting yourself in a position to hear the word no five times a day? No. Do you feel passionate about giving up your Saturdays? Do, no. Okay. You're never going to feel passionate about doing the real work. So these are there's all these little elegant, feel-good, touchy-feely, woo-woo lies that have all sort of bubbled up since really the 80s, really the late 70s, that have essentially become institutionalized in a lot of real estate, a lot of companies, period, where we have lost, we've lost touch. Uh, well, when I say we, I mean societally again, it, with the idea that we have to really work our butts off. We have to earn the success that we're not we're not entitled to it getting a real estate license is not you're not there's nothing on the other side of that unless you're actually willing to do what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level that's it you're not entitled to anything in life you're not i'm sorry i mean i trust me i wish we were all born multimillionaires. I mean, that would have been a hell of a lot more interesting of an existence on the planet, wouldn't it? <laughs> like, you have a, you, you are given an extraordinary amount of money when you are born, and you have your lifetime to spend it all. That would be kind of fun, wouldn't it? Like the exact opposite? Hmm, that sounds like one of my uh, dystopian movies or books that I like to listen to or read on the weekends. So, Julie, any closing thoughts on this? You've got to take action. You've got to actually do something about this and not hide out from the things that you're resisting, that saying whatever you resist persists, I think is really true. And we try to give you lots of examples from people who are, you know, writing in and emails and coaching clients and all the rest. But ultimately, you have to personalize it. You have to do something about it. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. Don't blame everything else, the changing market, your brokerage, your this, your that, whatever. Don't do that. Just take control of it. And that's a lot of what we talk about in Premier Coaching, which is where I'm headed right now because I already have some questions in queue. I never know what they're going to be since it's a live coaching call. I'm going to turn this over to you so that I can go to them. Very good. So listen, guys, if you need us for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Um, I occasionally give my cell phone number, but if you guys want to text me, you can feel free to do so. It's uh, 512-758-0206. I gave that on another podcast, and uh, on somebody else's podcast, I was being interviewed, and I thought, you know, let's just test this, see what happens. And I got some of the coolest texts as a result of that podcast that it's almost like, yeah, maybe that's an even more superior way to communicate with all of you. So let's try it, 512-758-0206. But in the meantime... Make sure you grab your free books. We wrote these books, the idea that it will give all of you guys the boost you're looking for in your business. So just text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. Text the word Harris to 31996. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows 
And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.